Welcome back to Horn Takes. This is episode 19. Going to go around the horn. A lot of stuff to talk about from over the weekend and this morning. Before we get into anything, uh, let's talk about Coach Mike Leach. Uh, Really bad news coming out of Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, Last night, uh, apparently Coach Leach uh, suffered a, a very major heart attack. Uh, and is still in the hospital in very critical condition. I think they took him to a local-ish hospital uh, and then life-flighted him to a, a bigger hospital there in Mississippi. I uh, hate to hear that. Uh, Coach Leach, uh, for me, definitely one of my favorite coaches, uh, favorite guys. Uh, I think he's kind of like, for me, again, he's kind of like a, an icon in, in college football, uh, just a really – interesting story uh his his uh rise to where he's been where he's at today as far as uh, being a football coach the guy never played the guy never coached anything and then graduated law school and somehow gotten his foot in the door and and now he's coached at uh three really major football programs in the United States hopefully he'll pull through uh most of what we know is is again just kind of stuff that's out there on Twitter and the unit, what the university's putting out, which is not a whole lot of information. Um, but apparently, uh, he did have a very big cardiac event, uh, not doing really well. The, the terms I've seen are dire. Uh, he's definitely in critical condition. So we hope he pulls through, uh, be a big loss for not only Mississippi state football, but all of college football, in my opinion. Uh, I think again, man, that guy, just a really interesting character uh, and, and some of the stuff he's been able to do uh, at, at three different football programs, really outstanding. And uh, he's definitely done it his way. Hoping the best for coach Leach and his family. All right, let's talk a little bit about the army Navy game over the weekend. Uh, really? I, I think there were some other games, but this was the main one. Uh, we talked a little bit about it. On the podcast, I believe Wednesday, because I, I went out of town on Thursday and didn't come back till Sunday. So we talked about it on Wednesday, and I, I thought uh, Army's offense would just be a little too much for Navy, be a close win, an ugly win. I had Army twenty four to twenty three. Uh, they they didn't score that many points either team, uh, but just a really cool game. And I also talked about how that game would kind of come down to something crazy at the end, and boy, did it! Uh, that overtime uh, was was one of the coolest overtimes, you know. Uh, probably not a Navy, if you're a Navy fan, but just as a as a stander by, I don't even know if that's a word. Just as a college football fan, and and what was interesting is uh, we were out all day, uh, my wife and I, and, and we got back to the we we went and did a little shopping real quick uh, after we got back from some tours, uh, and and headed headed back to the hotel room just just for a quick minute. <clears throat> Found the game on TV. Uh, with about, I don't know, there's about a minute left in the game uh, before they went into overtime, so I stayed and watched the overtime. Two touchdowns on two plays in overtime, uh, and then just a really awesome goal line stand turnover type situation for Army. Uh, that's a rough way to lose a game if you're Navy. It's a really awesome way to win a game if you're Army. And, and I think college football won. Uh, that, that was just a really cool game to watch. Uh, so congratulations to Army. For those of you that don't know, I was in the Army for a little over four years. Way back in the olden times. 
So it's cool to always it, – it's anytime Army can be successful, uh, it's cool. And this is definitely one of those games for Army where almost the rest of the season doesn't matter. Uh, if they can beat Navy, that's definitely a a big big thing for them. So uh, congrats again to Army. Real quick, let's talk a little bit about Texas basketball. Uh, let's talk about what happened on the floor over the weekend. Uh, I didn't get to see this game, but – just looking at the score and the box score, it looks like uh, Texas overwhelmed Arkansas Pine Bluff with their bigs. Uh, th- those guys led in scoring uh, across the board. Uh, a lot of people scored in this game. It was, I think, the final score was eighty-eight to forty-three. So they doubled them up. Uh, really, really good bounce back game. I, obviously, not against a quality opponent, but but good to bounce back and uh, and get a win like that uh, after a loss uh, earlier last week against a really good Illinois team. So. Good to see the basketball team get back on track there. Uh, I think the huge news coming out this morning uh, for Texas basketball was the arrest of Coach Beard uh, on some sort of assault charges. What I have seen is, uh, and they, they give it like a weird term, and I can't remember the exact term, but but for me what it basically boiled down to is choking someone. Uh what we know about and first before before I go too much more into this and talk any any more about this, I just want to get this out there before anyone calls me a hater or anyone says I'm favoring Texas or, or anything like that. In any allegation like this, with any allegation like this, I think it is very important to wait for the facts to come out before you rush to judgment. The court of public opinion has a really, really bad habit of seeing that someone was charged with something and immediately screaming fire him, immediately screaming, you know, death penalty, immediately screaming firing squad. And, and all of those things might be warranted in this case. It, it, when all the facts come out, it may be 100% he should absolutely be fired. And I'll say this, if Chris Beard is convicted of assaulting someone, choking someone, whatever it is, strangling someone, he should 100% be fired from the University of Texas. He should never coach basketball again. And they should throw the full extent of the law at him. He, he should be, uh, you know, there shouldn't be any favoritism for who he is and what he does, any of that stuff. So now that we got all that crap out of the way, there's not a lot we know at this point. Uh, we know sometime around... 2.30 in the morning, the police were called to, to I believe, his residence. Uh, I, I don't know that, but, but I think that's what it said, the report I saw. Um, regardless, about 2.30, the, the police were called to some residence that he was at, uh, and about 4 o'clock, they took him into custody. I, I don't know. I don't know what happens in that hour and a half. Uh, I don't think any of us know right now what happens in that hour and a half. Uh, either way, he was he was charged. Uh, he was brought in at roughly four o'clock in the morning to Travis County Jail there in Austin, Texas, downtown Austin. Uh, that's pretty much all we know. We know his lawyers are saying he's innocent and he should have never been arrested in the first place. Uh, I think it's a lawyer's job to say my client is innocent and he never should have been arrested in the first place. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. I. I've also seen a report that the person that called the police was his fiance. And then I, I sort of saw that be redacted. So who knows if that's what it was. I also saw that, 
some information. And again, this is all just information that's out there. It could all be, uh, you know, 100% garbage. Uh, I, I don't know that anybody really knows a whole lot about what's going on except for Chris Beard, the police that were there, the people that were there at the house, probably the University of Texas, probably the DA uh, in Austin. So, uh, again, don't take any of these things as facts, but I'm just trying to get out what what I've seen. Uh, again, apparently, it was his fiance that called the police. It wasn't for any attack on her. So I, I don't know what that means. Uh, it just really, there's not a lot of facts at this point. And I, I, one thing I will say regarding this, and uh, I hope it's all uh, for a lot of reasons. I hope it's just an all big, uh, you know, just a big miscommunication, uh, and that happens. Uh, but it doesn't look good for sure. I, I don't. There was there was one report where the person that the complainant, and this is this was from his attorney. Uh, his attorney released this statement. The complainant never wanted him to be charged uh, and wants him to be released immediately with no charges. That seems weird to me. Why did you call the cops in the first place? So there's a whole lot. There's just a whole bunch that that's going to have to be uncovered. And I think, I think he has to see a judge within 24 hours. So I think, I think over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours, we're going to see a lot more information about wh- what went on. Uh, again, I Texas fan aside, uh, you never want to see this kind of crap uh, ever with, with anybody like, you don't, you know, domestic violence is a big deal. Uh, assault is obviously a big deal. I think, I think the charge that he's been brought up under or booked under is a third degree felony. So obviously not good. Uh, so yeah, man, I, I, I hope it's just all a big misunderstanding and, and that everybody can go on about their lives. Not sure that's the case. I, I would say this, anybody that, that feels like they know exactly what happened at this point is full of shit because it's impossible to know what happened. So anyway, there's the Chris Beard, uh, update for this point. Um, Let's talk a little bit about bowl games. Bowl games start this Friday. We've had a, well, we didn't even get a full weekend off, but we, I guess, I guess we had a, a, you know, almost a full weekend off from from college football. I'm sure most of you guys were missing it. I know I was. But the bowl games start up this Friday. Not, you know, any like any bowl season. There's not a whole lot of just amazing games right off the jump uh, that really catch your eye. A lot of them are pretty garbagey uh, a lot of them are just games you kind of turn on in the background and you probably don't pay that much attention to them but there are a few and and, and this is just like taking a a quick look at the at the schedule I, i'm sure i'm sure as we get closer some of them will, will become more interesting to me but here are some and some of these are bigger bowl games too but this is just kind of a, a rundown list of the ones that i'm interested in so far I think the Cure Bowl is a cool one. UTSA versus Troy, two eleven win teams. Uh, UTSA coach Jeff Trailer uh, has got a. I think he's two time two two years in a row they've won their conference championship. Won a lot of games there at UTSA. He's starting to get a lot of attention from from other college programs uh, as far as coaching goes. 
Texas played UTSA earlier this year, and, and UTSA had Texas down early. Uh, and, and, and that was with a lot of players hurt. They, they were banged up along the offensive line. I, I really like that quarterback from UTSA. Uh, to me, this is just a cool game of, of two teams that, that have, have had a really great season so far. Uh, one of them is going to have to lose. I'm interested to see which one it is. Another one I'm really interested in, the Fenway Bowl. This one's kind of interesting on multi-levels for me. Cincy versus Louisville, the whole Scott Satterfield deal. And I know he's not coaching, which kind of – it would have been really cool if he decided to coach one of those teams. I know from like a PR perspective and just kind of doing the right thing perspective, there's no way in hell he was going to coach either of those teams. It'd be kind of cool if they let him coach both the teams. I don't know how that would work. But uh, anyway, for those of you that don't know, Scott Satterfield – was the Louisville head coach, uh, accepted the Cincinnati head coach uh, right around the beginning of December. Uh, he says he's just going to uh, – he, he's just interested right now in building his staff. He doesn't want to be involved in this game whatsoever. Uh, I imagine he'll tune in just to see what he's got going on with his team, his new team, Cincinnati. Who is joining the Big 12 next year? The other cool thing, I think, about this game is it's played in Fenway Park, and – for those of you that don't know, I'm a baseball guy as well. My, uh, I, I never used to be. Uh, I played when I was younger, but I never was like a huge baseball fan. Uh, and then my son, uh, when he obviously played from a very young age, t-ball and and on up, and he uh, he's in high school now. Watching him play has really helped me develop a a, a really fondness, a, a nice fondness of of the game of baseball. When I was younger, I used to just kind of always think it was too slow. Maybe it's the fact that my son plays it, enjoys it, coupled kind of with the fact that I'm also getting old. But I, I enjoy I enjoy a nice afternoon watching baseball with not a whole lot going on. The score could be one to nothing. I, st- I still enjoy it. So Fenway Park is obviously one of the most storied baseball parks in the nation. I, I've actually... Uh, had the uh, pleasure of being there twice uh, to watch baseball games. Another really cool one is Wrigley Field. Uh, so if you're if you're a baseball person, you you definitely got to try to get to Fenway. Definitely got to try to get to Wrigley. It's like going back in time, going into those stadiums. So for me, there being a a bowl game in Fenway Park is kind of sweet. I I kind of wish I could get up there and and watch that. I think that'd be interesting. Another one that's that's pretty interesting to me is is the Sugar Bowl. You got Bama against K State. Bama's probably favored in that game, probably will be favored in that game. But then you got this K State team over there that just knocked off TCU for the Big Twelve Championship. They did it real ugly, like the way they want to do it, right? K State, I've said it multiple times this year. That is a program. That's going to be tough. They're going to be disciplined, and they're they're just not going to do a lot of stuff to to beat themselves. And you're looking at an Alabama team that probably you hear it every year. There's always at least one team that that you hear people talk about and say, you know, they probably just don't want to be there. I think if there's a team this year that just doesn't want to be in the bowl they're in, it's Bama. They're not in the playoffs. And and for a lot of those guys at Bama, that's 
something that's never happened to them. So can they go into the Sugar Bowl and be excited about it? Can can Nick Saban find a way to get those guys ready to play a game against a team that if you're not ready to play against, there's a good chance you're going to lose. So that one's interesting to me. And then I think the Cotton Bowl is a really cool game this year. You got Tulane that just kind of came out of nowhere. Both of these teams have 11 wins. Tulane has, has beat some pretty decent teams. I mean, they beat Kansas State. Big 12 champion. And I've seen little pieces of their games this year. I, I don't think I've watched an entire Tulane game, but I've seen them play a little bit. They look legit. So it'll it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, how Tulane can match up against USC. You know, one of the one of the conversations that always comes out every bowl season, especially if there's an undefeated non-power five school, is well, could they compete? You know, can they compete? Do they deserve to get a chance? Well, we're not talking playoffs here, but here's an opportunity for a for a non-power five team that's that's been pretty good this year to go up against a power five team in a bowl game. Same kind of deal for USC. Is it, is it a situation where they can really get up for this game? Cotton bowl used to be a really big deal. It's kind of lost some of its luster just with the bowl championship series and the college football playoff and, and all. It's just not the same as it used to be. So, you know, is going to the cotton bowl, a big enough deal for USC. I don't know. I'm interested in finding out and I'm sure I'll be interested in a lot of other games. I've said it before. I'll watch, I'll watch as many of these games as I can just because it's football. A lot of them won't excite me. A lot of them will kind of be background TV watching. I'll be doing other things, but those are some just again, right off the top of my head that I think could be kind of fun. We haven't talked a whole lot about Texas football in a while. Uh, Texas is facing off against Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Washington's had a good season. Just a just a few weird tie breaks away from being in the Pac-12 championship themselves. I think the big story for this game, at least from a Texas perspective, well, there's two big stories, I think. One of them is Washington. Penix is coming back. I, I had seen... I had seen some some conversation, and I don't remember if I saw it on Twitter or some message board or, or something, but I, I had seen where supposedly Penix was getting some pretty decent draft grades, uh, and there was some thought that maybe he, he might skip out on the bowl game and uh, you know declare for the NFL draft. Uh, he's not doing that. He's coming back to play, and he that guy, to me, he's one of those types of guys that was really – just right there on the outside looking in uh, from, from a Heisman perspective. He's had a really good season. They could throw the ball all over the park. And Texas, not real good on pass defense. We've seen it all season. So that's kind of big storyline number one. Big storyline number two, obviously. Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, and DeMarvion Overshone are out. They're not playing in this game. Uh, Johnson and Overshone have invites to the Senior Bowl. Bijan Robinson is—I mean, if there's a if there's a back that gets taken in the first round this year, it's probably going to be Bijan Robinson. 
So really not a not a whole lot of reason for those three guys to play, but those are obviously three three key guys for Texas. Uh at, at least three key guys so far this season for Texas. They've been key this year. And then man, the transfer portal was crazy, and I'm sure it was crazy for a lot of teams. It was really crazy for Tech. They lost a lot of guys. A lot of guys have jumped into the transfer portal, and those guys, they won't they won't play, obviously. I think the most notable there is Hudson Card, second-string quarterback, came in when Quinn Ewers was hurt and won a few football games for Texas. Kept kept them in the kept them in the position to be able to compete for for opportunity to play in the Big 12. So he didn't do anything to hurt his team. I've said it all year, man. I think Hudson Card Hudson Card is a guy that that could go someplace and be really good. And I I think I think most of the noise so far has kind of been Notre Dame, but I've also heard uh I want to say I saw something that said Oklahoma State might be a possibility. Wouldn't that suck? Uh, but any, I think he's a really good player. Uh, he had some obvious trouble with the deep passes his freshman year, but but he did okay with those in limited playing time this year. I think he's going to be a huge get. And then one of the other guys, Charles Wright, who was a uh, I think penciled in as a third string guy, <clears throat> he's decided to enter the transfer portal as well. So Texas, I think, only has two quarterbacks on the roster going into this game. So Malik Murphy, I've talked about him before, said he's a guy I think can really spin it. Uh, he's very talented uh, physically. Big dude, 6'5". I think he's 225, 230 pounds. Really strong arm. Uh, I hope he gets to play. I would like to see him. I would like to see him get out there and get a chance to play. I don't know... You know, as, as more and more of these guys start opting out of these games, you know, the lower-tier games, I wonder if sort of the mindset doesn't shift for some of these coaches and programs that maybe necessarily winning this bowl game isn't the most important thing. Used to, and I still think there's some of this, but used to you wanted to win your bowl game because you wanted to set yourself up for a good spring. You wanted to, you know, finalize that, that recruiting class. All, all that stuff that kind of goes along with, uh, winning right but but I almost wonder if the narrative doesn't start to change you, you have so many guys that come out it's almost it, it's not impossible to go in but it, it you're you're playing with a completely different team in a lot of respects than you had for the majority of the season so so that's kind of like a storyline for me that I'm interested in seeing how that plays out over time what what a bowls really look like you know, what, what, how do people how do people look at bowl wins and bowl losses going forward? And what do the coaches do with that new knowledge, right? If I go out and lose a bowl game, I'm not going to get fired or, and nobody really cares. I'm probably more willing to go do some experimenting during that bowl game. I'm more willing to let Malik Murphy get in the game a couple series and see what he can do. I don't know. be kind of cool. Uh, again, I'd like to see him play. I think he's a very talented kid, uh, and 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 you know not not only that, but uh, you know Quinn Ewers just he just hasn't been all that good this year. He had two, you know, well one really good full game against Oklahoma, 
and obviously his first quarter against Alabama was was really exciting. But that's pretty much it. Uh, ever since then, he's kind of he's either been in a role where, uh, you know, Coach Sark has really taken the game out of his hands, kind of like he did against Kansas, kind of like he did against Baylor late. Or he's been in a position where they're asking him to win the game with his arm and he just hasn't been able to do it. Obviously, the top two running backs are out for Texas. That's a lot of yardage that just went out the door. But I think Texas is good at running backs. You got Keelan Robinson, transfer from Alabama. He's been here for a couple seasons now. Uh, He's a really dynamic guy, can play slot, takes a lot of those jet motions on reverses and things like that. But he can line up right behind the quarterback or right next to the quarterback and, and run out of a normal running back set. And then Jonathan Brooks, in limited action this year, has had really, really good games, uh, lots of scores. And then kind of sitting behind them is Jaden Blues, a freshman, which I I feel like – I know he's played this year, but I think he's a red shirt. I, 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 I don't know – I don't know if he's kind of hit that four-game threshold yet or if he has some playing time left. But But that'll kind of be interesting to see how that goes. And quite frankly, I don't know who's behind those guys. So you're looking at two quarterbacks and three running backs, which typically Texas really, for the most part, rotates two running backs. So maybe that's not a huge problem for them. But we'll talk more about the Alamo Bowl, obviously, as we get closer to that game. We'll talk a lot more about all the bowl games. Uh, You guys can check me out on TikTok for any updates on this whole Chris Beard business. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Find me on the TikTok on Horn Fans Podcast. HornTakesPodcast at gmail.com for comments, questions, concerns, criticisms. I love it all. Guys, have a good one.